Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games and tips and tricks that you can use to hopefully help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today's topic, we are going to be talking about metagaming, its impact on the game and what you can do to help resolve issues that may arise because of it. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden. I'm host and moderator for the show. With me in the studio is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. I'm the one who says funny things. So today we are talking about metagaming. Metagaming is the going to be defined for the purposes of our discussion as characters in character utilizing knowledge that's attained through out of character uh, avenues. So this is somebody looking up stats for a monster on their phone, pulling out a book to figure out capabilities or exact parameters of, of items that they may not have, the character may not have access to, and any other sort of my player mm -hmm. knows something my character doesn't, therefore my character knows it as well. Right. So what are your guys' at least initial thoughts on metagaming in general? It's evil. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like players who metagame, uh, to be honest. But I, as a player, I can see how it's easy to do so. Uh, actually, let me restate what I just said. I don't like players who metagame on purpose. You know, when you're playing with experienced players, you know, and you, you know, they're fifth level and you throw a couple trolls at them. And you, these guys have been playing D&D &D for years. They're going to know what a troll is. They're going to know what it does. They're going to know how to kill it. You know, out of character. Um, I'd say one maybe tool you might want to use is have everyone roll a nature check. Or have everyone roll the appropriate uh, intelligence-based check to see what do you know about this. Right. You know, you know and maybe for like trolls... Or, or some monsters, you know, the DC is really low. So knowing about them is pretty easy. You know, like, you know, most of the evil humanoids would be on that list too, or even good humanoids, you know. Everyone knows about dwarves and, you know, goblins and those sorts of things. You know, but maybe trolls are a little tougher. Maybe they're a 10. Maybe hydras are a 10. But, you know, people know, okay, so if I, if I bring this thing down, I want to hit it with fire and acid. You know, you're going to have players who are going to do that almost immediately. You know, so you might just want to have them roll a check. We'll see if you know that. Or you, I guess you could house rule it and say, well, you know, they're common enough. People know that when you come across these, this is what you do. You know, if trolls are a thing that exists in your world, then other people have come across them and they've probably spread that knowledge. Or you can screw with them. If everyone instantly, like, like say everyone just instantly starts attacking it with fire and acid. Well, what you didn't know was this is a jungle troll that's only permanently wounded by ice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can always, remember, as a GM, you can always mix things up. It's your rules. It's not their rules. Just because the monster manual says it's one thing doesn't mean that you can't say it's another. It's your world. It's what you're running. Yeah. So that's one of the best ways to, to uh, counteract metagaming um, uh, meta is by changing the parameters. Yeah, definitely if they're doing it a lot. Yeah. Mess with them. Yeah. So that way when they start saying, you know, oh, wait, no, it's supposed to be hurt by fire, you know, or is fire supposed to kill it? Be like, well... You do not hush and call. How do you know? <laughs> you know? Because fire kills everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, think it's, I think it's a reasonable assumption for PCs to look and say, like, oh, our weapons aren't hurting it. Well, plan B is automatically fire. Um, 
it's I think that's a very kind of but, broad. But in this case, that's not true. The weapons are hurting it. When you fight a troll, your weapons do regular damage against yeah, it's it. It's just regenerating. It just regenerates right. that right. damage but over time. But it heals time. it up, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if, if they say, well, okay, I think... You know, like they're trying to come to the conclusion in character. Well, it's healing from our wounds, so maybe I want to do more permanent damage to it. Fire would be a good way to do more permanent damage. Yeah, fire is a good assumption, like Jerry was saying. You know, yeah. like, you know, like if I burn it to ash, it can't regenerate from ash, can it? You know what I mean? Right. That kind of concept. And if it can, it will take a long time. Yeah. So if if a player and someone who you know knows what the base stats for a troll is, you know, ha- tries to have their character come to that conclusion. Okay, that's 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 fine. That's perfectly acceptable. You know, you know, don't do it all the time. You don't do it for like the difficult monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, but okay, so he comes to that that conclusion fighting this thing. Okay, sure. Um, but you certainly you certainly want to be aware of that and be ahead of that. If you have people who you know are going to metagame, like I don't. I don't really like punishing people for metagaming unless it's blatant and obvious and they do it all the time. So you might have, want to have ways to kind of deter them from that. I don't necessarily like the word punish, but certainly deter. Mm-hmm. So like changing their stats, for instance, like you'd mentioned. Yeah. I mean, there's again, there's lots of levels of metagaming. I think everyone, at least experienced players, because obviously if you're a new player and you don't know enough to metagame, but I mean, with experienced players, there's always leakage there's always a little bit of metagaming, whether you realize it or not. And sometimes the DMs see it, sometimes the DMs don't, eat, you know, or the GMs don't even see it. But I just, I think there's always a little bit of leakage there. So you have to allow for that. I mean, you're, it's yeah. really hard to completely separate your brain. You know what I mean? Like, wait, I can't, you know, you don't just have to be constantly like, would my character know this? 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 And that starts to take away from the game of just like the natural, flu- you know, fluence, uh, fluidity, right. thank you, of, uh, of just playing through the game. But again, there's ways to deter it. You know, you can again, okay, well, you meet this troll that, you know, okay, and everyone's dealt with trolls before. Trolls are like, oh, trolls the perfect atypical, you know, example of this kind of situation. Right. But also the perfect example of how, like, fire is the next logical solution. It really is. So anything that, like, where fire is the answer, I try not to penalize because fire really is kind of like the next go-to, like, you know, in a, in a logical form of thinking. Like, okay, this clearly isn't working. We've been chopping at it for five rounds. Let's burn it. See, that make, that's that's something that actually makes me think that that um, right when you right when you said troll, you know, I know kind of where you were going because right. it's a, it's a quick and it's easy, but I feel like it's so popularized that it's not necessarily uncommon for an adventuring party to know you know deal with trolls this right, way. Yeah. Right, and I agree. I, I agree I'm thinking something like this was this came up in our our fifth edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons game where we're up against an. Earth elemental, mm-hmm. and people immediately start busting out thunder damage because Earth elementals in fifth edition are vulnerable to thunder, which <clears throat> sorry, which we kind of knew ahead of time because we had faced it in a previous game and figured out its weakness there, and then the characters kind of carried it over just just knowing that oh this is what it is this is how to fight it and. Th- you know, thinking, oh, this thing is regenerating healing, use fire is a pretty reasonable assumption. The fact that this big rock isn't being hurt much by our weapons, oh, maybe we should use lightning on it, is a much less logical jump. Well, not lightning, but thunder. Or thunder, rather. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. So, so I, th- I think that that if they're just figuring it out by using fire, that, as a DM, I'm kind of okay. I feel like if they're like, oh, earth elemental, thunder, <laughs> 
I'm immediately going to, at least as DM, step back and go, whoa, where did See, they get I, that I dis- idea from? I disagree with you on that on that one a bit because it's a big rock. So your damage types are fire, water or ice, electricity, or thunder. Of all of those, the only one that you can honestly think is going to do anything to it is thunder. Fire is going to burn a rock. Okay, that's going to take forever. Lightning is going to destroy a rock. Probably not. You know, ice, can, ice and water can certainly destroy it over time. Look at the Grand Canyon. But thunder, thunder is specifically meant to destroy inanimate objects and constructs. I mean, I think, I think it's supposed to be like sonic damage. Yeah, it's supposed to be sonic damage. It's supposed to break things. But also, that's using well, modern day thought processes in a fantasy kind of situation. You know what I mean? We're like, okay, well, sure. if I use this sonic, you know, vibration to disrupt, you know, to uh, to vibrate and basically disrupt and you know separate this pebble, that should work. But again, we're in a fantasy setting where like that's not necessarily everyday common knowledge. But in that situation that Jerry's talking about, I recall you had to roll uh, an Arcana check, if I recall correctly. Yes, and, and handling that but, with an Arcana check makes sense. But yeah. at the same time, if you are a spellcaster and you know this spell, yeah, you know what the spell, you know what the spell to do. does. Yeah. So using it against a rock elemental should like I could certainly say the GM says make a check. I have no argument with that. Mm-hmm. But also if he says, Yeah, you know the spell, you know it, you know this makes sense to you, mm-hmm. then that's fine too. But I think we also had a point of metagaming there where you said, well in the game there's this type of damage. It could be fire, ice, lightning, um, you know, whatever. You right there, you you know, a character in the world wouldn't necessarily say, Well, these are the damage types, what makes sense? Um, I think as a magic user, you would. You certainly yeah, you would. Magic, you're coming across the monster that you're trying to kill. How can I kill it? As a magic user, I also don't think that you would have necessarily a quantitative list. Like, there's a set number of damage types. As a magic user, you know, the. But the, there are. The, you remember as a magic user, okay, so let's just you pick a, pick apart fifth edition D D. There are very specific damage types. As a magic user, yes. you know those damage types. Now, yes, you know that there are multiple things in the world that can damage everything else, but you know the damage types for the world that you live in. Fire is one of them, lightning is one of them, acid is one of them, uh, thunder is one of them, you know, uh, cold, water, those are those are there as well. Those are damage types that you can cast to do damage to things. Uh, necrotic and uh, radiant. radiant being other damage types. Force is a damage type. Psychic's a damage type. Those are all things that, as at least as a wizard, someone who has spent years studying magic, you know that those things exist. Those are the most common damage types. Maybe not the only ones, but they're the most common damage types, and those... Are, are specifically been picked apart by other wizards to be used on certain, you know, yeah, in, in certain situations. Certain spells specifically will let you substitute out. You're like, okay, well, with this spell, you can use this, you know, like, uh, not Witch Bolt, but um, uh, Chromatic Orb. Chromatic Orb. You can, you can use this, 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 or this. Okay, well, those are very clearly defined by that spell. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, I actually have to have two points, one kind of a side note and one. I know what I want to say, but I don't know exactly. So um, to go through them, actually, as you're listing off the damage types, going back to the Earth Elemental discussion, I would think that as a magic user, my first go-to would be Force rather than Thunder um, to rip apart inanimate objects. Uh, 
but that's just a side thing. What I was trying to think as kind of a counterpoint, and because I don't have my books out, and I don't feel like digging them out and going through them, especially when we're talking about metagaming. Oh, no, no, that's fine. We can pause the podcast. You want to pull your books out? No, no, no. I'm trying to come up with an example of two spells that deal the same type of damage, uh-huh. but would be very would kind of be flavored slightly differently. I mean, obviously, like, a Burning Hands and Fireball are, are both fire damage, but I'm just trying to think of something else that would be, like, two where it's the same type of damage, but the flavor is very different. And, like, Force from Magic Missiles and, like, Force from, like, Bisbee's Crushing Hand, that kind of thing. Yeah, or, or Witch Bolt and Lightning Bolt both do li- electricity damage. But Witch Bolt is also flavored as actually being... Yeah, lightning arcing through the oh, air. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I guess like disintegrate is lightning is not no it, disintegrating is force damage. Yeah, and magic missiles also described as force damage. Those are two like little bolts that go out. Yeah, and then I, I feel like they're very different. So the fact that getting to the, this was kind of to counter on your point of as a spellcaster should know that it's a specific quantitative, you know, limited set of these are the damage types. Um, I just feel like there's such a broad range of magic available that anybody who truly believes in magic, especially enough to devote their life to it, to give up everything that it takes to become a caster, at least a, a caster of study like like a wizard or such, is going to believe that there is infinite variety in the magic oh, sure. and is going to have a hard time saying, well, there's only... 12 see, damage types or whatever. See, now we're getting into the phil- philosophical part. Yeah, of but if, really if you look at, you know, again, <laughs> uh, just to try to wrap up this particular part of the conversation, uh, like from a wizard standpoint, especially because, again, they're a learned academic magic practitioner, I, I really get the concept of I have studied, like, specifically, like, the Shatter Spell. I have, you know, whether I have it prepared for the day or not, I have researched and I understand the concept of the Shatter Spell. It is doing thunder damage and is more effective on inanimate objects. I can then use logic and reasoning to apply that concept to other thunder damage-based spells and, you know, then use the concept of, like, well, an Earth Elemental is... For all intents and purposes, just a bunch of rock, which, although it is technically moving at this time, is basically an inanimate object. And kind of like say, well, if A plus B equals C, then B, you know, then uh, uh, C plus, or yeah, if A plus B equals C, then and C, C plus B equals A. Yes, thank you. I couldn't fucking spit that out. <laughs> you know, just that kind of that logic and reasoning. And maybe it doesn't work every time, but maybe it does work every time. And again, you know, in that particular situation, there was an Arcana check that was made, so... Again, okay, well, Arcana check should cover elementals, does cover elementals, so yes, he was aware of the weakness. I, and I wasn't specifically saying that that part was wrong, but I'm saying something do, somebody doing something similar to that without right. making the check. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, and I completely understood that, yeah. Um, so it's just one of those, like, again, there's always going to be meta gaming at the table. Like I said, you know, in my opinion before, like there's always meta gaming. It's just up to the GM to mitigate that in any way that they can or should or feel they want to do that. So some of the tricks for dealing with that, again, would be making checks, you know, here and there, like arcana checks, you know, nature checks, knowledge checks, intelligence checks to know whether or not the characters encountered it again. A good example that you made before, Trolls, those are going to be one of those, like, famous, you know, campfire slash war stories, you know what I mean? So, it would definitely, in my opinion, be one of the lower-ish roles for, like, a quote-unquote uncommon creature 
to know that fire, maybe not necessarily acid, maybe that's less commonly known, but that fire definitely does do damage to it and that it doesn't regenerate, you know, because there's been lots of adventurers that have sat around the, you know, the the the, the fireplace at the, their local tavern and go, like, oh, I encountered a troll this one time and yeah, the only way it stayed down was when we burned it to death. But then you want to be careful of the party runs into a slot and the experienced player goes, whoa, stay away from their claws. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's certainly you know, checks that can cover it, and that's the, really the best way to do it, I think, especially if those checks exist in your system. Another thing you have to think of, and uh, this kind of just came to me, is sometimes not only do you have to let metagaming slide, but almost you need to allow metagaming. Mm-hmm. For instance, you have rolled a character who has a 20 IQ and has been practicing magic since they were, you know, old enough to figure it out. You know, they've been practicing that for a long time. That character is going to know a lot of things. Now, in that system, uh, they have, or sorry, 20 intelligence. Uh, in that system, they have a working knowledge of what's going on, and they have they have something that allows you to make that check. And then there are other systems, which maybe don't allow you to do that. Uh, one of the ones I play in uh, a lot is uh, it's the Palladium system. I play uh, in Heroes a lot. And I actually I currently have a character. He has a 30 IQ, which in that system means basically his intelligence is off the charts. Now, he's got a lot of the skills to go along with that, a lot of engineering and science skills. But at the same time, the, the, the GM and I have you know kind of come to an agreement that there's a lot of stuff that I'm just not going to think of as this guy. I don't have a I don't have a 300 IQ. I'm surprised if I have you know triple digit IQ to be honest. Mm-hmm. But but he 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 does. He's got a ridiculous you know intelligence ratio. He can he can think up anything. He can think it up uh, outside the box. So in certain situations like that, where maybe your character has a special trait or attribute high enough where maybe some metagaming is necessary. You might want to think of that, think of that you know, and, and in that case, it's perfectly fine, I would think, but you want to talk to your player about that first and what the limitations would be mm-hmm. because, I mean, we've talked about playing low, low stats before, stats that you're not able to play before. I mean, that would be one of the ways of playing a high IQ is, you know, okay, well, you know, yeah, you can, you can look through the monster manual when I tell you what you're fighting. Like yeah, just just flat out. Some I mean yeah. in some situations that can make sense. I mean I get where you're going with that, but there's other situations where like no one in the party's ever encountered a you know a lycanthrop before, and all of a sudden sure. this werewolf shows up and everyone drops their normal weapons and pulls out their silver weapons. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. So again, like one of my favorite things to yeah, <laughs> one of my um, favorite things to deal with for metagaming. Uh, from the GM side is to just like don't tell them what they're fighting. Describe to them what they're fighting. You know, don't, hey, and then a troll shows up. All right, everybody, break out your fire weapons, break out your fire spells. You're like, okay, this large green skin with weird tufts of brown fur, you know, like this gangly, nasty drool coming from its broken tooth mouth, you know, you know, long, slimy, you know, brownish green hair trickling across its face, you know, like people are like, that sounds gross. I have no idea what you're talking about, you know. And instead of a, being a werewolf, it being this eight foot, you know, f- you know, furry creature that stands, you know, f- you know, f- three feet over your heads, you know, it's it's got, uh, you know, like paws for hands, and you know, like in certain things like werewolves, yeah, you're gonna probably werewolf might come to your mind, you know, a lot quicker than troll might come to your mind for depending on the, how you describe it. 
But you can also have the creature be like partly obscured by shadows or it could be nighttime so you don't even get a good look at it. You just see like these weird glowing red eyes and maybe some tufts of fur. Well, that could be a thousand monsters in D&D. Yeah. Um, or you could mess with them like you were doing before. And yeah, exactly. Just changing stats. Yeah. Just describe an ogre. Yeah. And they're fighting a troll, but you just describe an ogre out of Right, yeah. Yeah, changing the stats is another th- um, big thing. And also um, another hint of advice that I've got actually got from another... Um, from a YouTube channel somewhere. It was from one of the guys that actually works at uh, Wizards of the Coast. I can't remember his name. But his big thing is he never, ever, if it's an important creature, like, you know, if, yeah, you might run into goblins, sure, fine, great. But, like, if it's an important creature, especially storyline-wise, it's never a night hag. It's never a troll. It's Aunt Mary, you know, from the Black Lagoon kind of thing. You yeah. know, like, it has a name. It doesn't have a creature-type de- description. You know, it actually has a name. So it could be, you know, random troll number 37, but instead it's going to be, like, you know... Um, the 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 haunt from you know underhill mountain or something like that right. you know just like what the locals refer to it as that kind of thing yeah so like and you like you don't know what that thing and then you also have less argument from your players when like if they because you're never describing it as a troll you're never describing it as a night hag you're never describing it as blah you're just saying okay it's it's aunt mary the reaper and they're like oh crap, what does Aunt Mary the Reaper do? And basically you're just following the Night Hag stats, but if for whatever reason you need to change that because they're you know somehow figuring something out or whatever, you can change it on the fly, you can give her spells, you can do whatever you need to do to make it a more challenging event, you know, like encounter, right. and no one's going to go, wait, Night Hags don't go invisible at will. Well, this isn't a Night Hag. This is Aunt Mary the Reaper. <laughs> so yeah. F off. Yeah, we also, we had that in... Uh, a campaign in which we wound up in another plane uh, that Jared was actually running, where we wound up running into a variety of creatures, of very strange creatures to deal with. And it wasn't until after we were done the whole campaign that he made reference to one of them as the owl bear. And we're like, wait, the big, like, lynx cat creature thing? It's like, yeah, it was an owl bear. It just, he. He described it as like a giant cat thing and acted, which also worked in the context as well, because as the players, if we had looked and saw an owlbear, we would have gone, oh, that's an owlbear. They're crazy. They're dangerous. We need to outright attack this thing. It's like, oh, it's like some sort of beast. Let's see if we can use animal handling and tame it. We're just trying to to pass through its territory peacefully. You know, all options that we never would have bothered. Owlbear? Eh, Kill it. You know, I'm all I'm all about doing that sort of thing too, like taking one thing and then let's just renaming it to something else. Yeah, just reskinning it, yeah, because they were in the Feywild, so I used just weird looking yeah. pictures and gave them weird out there names and just used the stats from actual animals in the you know the monster manual. Pretty much everything was just a beast or an, you know an animal from the back of the book. Yeah, I mean even even not in the Feywild, you know, like sometimes uh, I would have back when I was running 3.5 or Pathfinder and they didn't really have a lot of like these are the this is the stat block for an NPC guard or something yeah. I'd just be like oh okay whatever Hobgoblin mm-hmm. yeah just flip it you know yeah it's a human guard yeah they're just they're, using that stat just, they're just stats so that's basically what a Hobgoblin is you know make it look like whatever you want you know, reskinning and yeah. renaming things goes a long way and it yeah. screws your players they don't know I would say though as far back to metagaming Probably the worst example I'd ever seen was there was uh, a game that I was in, and the um, I didn't see it happen, but the GM mentioned it to me later. We played the game, and we came across 
some sort of villain. It was so long ago, I don't remember the specifics, but we came across some sort of like monster or something. And one of the players started doing something very specific to it. You know, so for instance, it was a special monster, but none of us had seen it before. And he got out his acid arrows or something. That wasn't it, but something like that. And so started pelting him with him. <clears throat> He's like, okay, sure. Okay, sure. And then a couple rounds in, you know, he thought to ask, is it, you know, he's like, so it's not dead yet. I'm like, no. I'm like, well, so the acid's not killing it? No. Why would you think acid would kill it? Well, what the issue was is the GM had actually caught that player looking through his notes. Mm -hmm. So he just changed it, you know, changed yeah. a few things here or there. Maybe just changed the entire encounter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you come across those sorts of situations. Yeah. Not only do you have to change your stuff to make the game fun, but at some point you got to talk to the player. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you can't be doing that. You know, this is supposed to be a game. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. What you're doing is literally ruining the game. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know we're going to get to, you know, dealing with problem players and player problems uh, in the future. In the future. But it's on the list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to metagaming, they can be a big problem if you have people doing it. You know, even myself, I can be guilty of almost, I guess, almost doing it or even doing it. Um, I have a game on Monday nights and the GM has a screen, but it gets in the way a lot and he has everything written down on notepad and I sit right next to him and he has his notepad like right there. So sometimes I just kind of casually look over. I'm looking into space mm -hmm. and then I realize, crap, I'm looking at his notepad. So I look back <laughs> and even just this last Monday, he's, you know, it's like trying to like show me part of the map, but like hide the rest of it. And I'm like, you know, man, I've, I've seen, I've seen the whole thing so far, you know, <laughs> I used to admit it to him. Like I've accidentally seen it so many times, you know, you don't, you know, if you want to hide it from me, go ahead. But I, I think I've seen the whole thing. She's like, okay. So, you know, he give, you know, he's, but I'm not using that knowledge. Yeah. You're not exploiting the. Yeah. So I'm not like, oh, well this, this, this one's the weird trap thing, guys. So, you know, let's, 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 you know, get spider climb going. Cause we don't want to walk on the floor, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dungeons is another big one. I mean, obviously, it's it's harder to metagame dungeons without seeing a map, but that's definitely another uh, issue where yeah. metagaming can be a problem. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say, like, metagaming with combat is actually, in my opinion, one of the easier metagames to deal with because again, you like you're the GM, you do whatever the hell you want. Right. Metagaming that's like from like informational standpoint, like again, like Jerry's talked about, like you know, different characters have different sets of information, but typically all the players are at the table the whole time. Mm -hmm. So separating that player knowledge from the character knowledge, like that's a big one in my opinion. That one's really hard to deal with unless you're going to just sit there and like just be like really on your A game and paying attention to everything that's coming out of everyone's mouth. Because sometimes I just want to take a second to myself, like where you guys are having a discussion. I mean, you guys I trust a lot more than, you know, like a lot of other groups. I mean, you're experienced players and you need to go out of your way to try not to metagame, but... We're Actually, like, when you're talking to somebody else and I'm not there, I tend to just kind of zone out or right. <laughs> play around just so I'm not listening, so I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, but again, you guys start, you know, like uh, strategizing, you know, in character, like how to proceed next with the information that you have. Sometimes I might take a second to just kind of like take a step back, you know, metaphorically and like, you know, into my head and be like, all right, so what's next? You know, like I'll be kind of listening to like with the, like the final products of your plans, but like I have other things going through my head and then I'm like, okay, well, it sounds like they're leaning towards this. If they do this, how should I deal with that? That kind of thing. But I'm not listening to every little detail that's coming out of your mouth. So there's an opportunities for like, maybe you say something in character that you didn't actually, your character didn't actually know, but your player overheard. Right. You know what I mean? So there's there's those little moments that are can be hard to catch sometimes unless the, the GM's yeah. really on top of it. Yeah. Sometimes those things are going to happen. 
If you don't catch him, you know, hopefully it doesn't ruin everything. It yeah. probably won't. If it's little, it probably won't. Yeah. You know, and again, little things, is in, if they do metagame, little tiny things, typically it's not going to ruin anything. If anything, it might just mean, like, well, in theory, it should have taken them five minutes longer to figure this out. Right. But also, like, if Jerry has A information and it has B information and they're strategizing together, in theory, one would assume that whether it's com- actually comes out of their mouth or not, that information will be exchanged at some point. Not necessarily. It's not 100% given because, you know, maybe for whatever reason, Jerry wants to hoard the information to his own benefit because he's that kind of character. Right. But, you know, typically when you guys are strategizing, you know, you assume that the information will be shared at some point in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And you'll allow for, like, a, a fully informed decision to be made. Right. And in those sorts of instances, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of uh, stop the stop the metagaming. You know, it's, it's just one of those things, like, as a GM, you do have to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've, you know, done, like, say, uh, you got a murder mystery going on and everyone's split up to go find more information... You know, and one one member gets really key information that could help in the other areas. And like another player, you know, they kind of start, everyone kind of starts talking before the characters meet up a little bit. Then another player goes to do something else, now linked to that information and say, hey, you know, you remember your character doesn't know this. And throwing out those little, hey, remember your character hasn't experienced that yet. They don't know it. Yeah. Throwing those out, you know, that's fine. You know, if, now if you got to throw them out to the same person every time, then that can be an issue. But no, now here's a question for that. Um, because this is, uh, it's a situation where I dealt with something similar where it was, hey, your your character doesn't know that, um, and they went, oh, okay, and then they proceeded to basically try to do the same thing a different way. Yeah, mm-hmm. dealt with that before, and then it's like, no, you're still acting on information you don't know, and it came up, and like again, and again, it was like, no, you haven't learned this. Yeah. You know, this person knows. This person might know what's going on, but you don't until that gets shared, communicated. Right. Um, you know, how do you handle the person? How do you? Uh, I handle sounds like you know we need to come down and we need to stop this type of thing well, from yeah, happening. How whatever. Do you address but it? how do you address the issue of the person who's continually trying to utilize that information that? They have, but their character does not. Well, you're hopefully you're gaming with people who you're at least friendly with. So, you know, you, you tell them once, even if you have to tell them again, you just say, hey, look, you know, your character doesn't know that. I know you're trying to figure this thing out because you're trying to, you know, you know, quote unquote win. But, you know, that's just information you don't have. And if they keep persisting, you'd be like, look, man, you know, that's. Your character doesn't know this stuff, you know. You know, you're not going to. Pers- your character's not going to pursue that line of thinking. And as the GM, people should stop right, right there. It's like, okay, well, essentially, the GM hath spoken. You know, my character doesn't do that. You know. Yeah, I mean, typically, I would see that kind of behavior for from less experienced role players. Hopefully, typically, um, I think again, I would be like, hey, you don't know that, and then you know, they then they try to they do the whole circle, trying to walk around it. To accomplish the same thing and they'd be like well just remember you're working you know like you're basically trying to work off information that you don't actually have you can't try to come to that same conclusion and even if you're using a different you know a different means of getting there and then when they try to do it again I'd be like all right well clearly we need to go over what your character knows and i'd be like this is what your character knows a b c d you don't know e you know f g okay like this is what you know you need to try to figure out something based off of what you do know you know what I mean? And even if I have to, you know, at that, that point, if it was still a problem, I'd have to take them away from the table for a second. Like, okay, look, here's here's the deal, dude. Like, I understand that this is a game, but it's it, it's a, a game that works both ways, okay? Like, 
I'm setting the scene. I'm giving you the information that your character has. You need to play along. And if you don't want to play along, then maybe this isn't necessarily the game for you. You know, because there's always going to be, like, well, I think we've addressed that in previous episodes, too, but, like, you know, not every player is the right match for every GM. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some GMs might be perfectly okay with that. They don't care. if it's As long as it's been set at the table to some player, they don't care if all the players know it. Right. And they don't care, if, okay, I might have only set it to this character, but they're fine with every character at the table knowing it. And that's perfectly fine. That's their choice. You know, they might be more of a hack and slash or dungeon hacker kind of person where, like, role-playing and, inf- you know, information... Um, uh, uh, splitting, so to speak. I can't think of a better term, but uh, you know, um, you know, m- mixing up who knows what might not be as important to them. You know what I mean? The 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 goal or the finish line might be the only thing that's important to them as a GM and therefore as a group, and that's fine. Other groups are going to be more story oriented, more role playing oriented, where you know certain characters having certain pieces of information is important. It is key to like how the story is being told. So again, you just got to make sure that you have the right players for the group. That kind of comes down to that too. Like that's another big way to deal with metagaming is like if metagaming is an important issue for you, make sure that your players are aware of that. Yes. Make sure you have the right group of players that are aware of that and make sure that they're going to try to do their best to not intentionally metagame. You mean, so you're, so you're saying things like talk to your players, build a level of trust with your players, <laughs> communicate with your players. Indeed. Oh, and communication is... These seem like new ideas. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely important, and communication will lead to that player trust thing that we bring up all the time, but that's probably one of the most important things in the entire game, is having that player... You're not going to ever really be able to truly pull off the game that you want to pull off if you don't have player trust, unless it's a plain right. old hack and slash. Right, exactly. That's very important that you need that. You know, we're all at a level where we trust each other as GMs and players, where, you know, if I do basically describe a troll, but this this game is about, you know, your characters are like... 14 year old humans who've never experienced anything mm-hmm. you know you immediately go to the fire thing that's a little well okay don't do that come on guys you know and they're like oh yeah you're right i'm sorry yeah you're, you're not gonna do that but and, you know unless you're the wizard that immediately went to fire when they confronted goblins and fire when they confronted orcs exactly fire when they confronted the fire elementals yeah, that's something that you have to make sure you keep in mind again you know like as a gm you have to make sure that like oh wait this guy fireballs everything yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so that's okay for him to fireball patrol exactly and that's yeah. also might where you want to be like well this is again this is a jungle troll where ice balls are the tree the trick exactly. you know? <laughs> and, then, and that's also the case too is like defining metagaming not like what we had done earlier but right. when you look at a situation you have to determine whether or not that person actually used that outside information mm-hmm. like in that case maybe they are a fire mage maybe they're a light cleric which is very fire based and when they come up across you know something they cast a fire spell at it because that's just what they do they are fire spells yeah. So, you know, that's clearly not metagaming. Uh, and that's something that you have to remember. You know, you see, if you are bringing the Hydra in to fool everybody and you have a light cleric in your group, you may want to rethink <laughs> that Hydra. You know, you yeah. can, you can like you said, switch it out, make it do a different damage type. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of treat Hydras like dragons. They have different damage types that they can do. You know, fire, acid, uh, cold, that sort of thing. Yeah, I actually had a GM use a troll perfectly. I was actually the mage in the party. Yeah. There's a short, really short story, and I know we're almost out of time. But I just uh, This is my favorite troll story ever that I've had an encounter with uh, as a player. I was an ice mage spe- specialist, so I didn't have... I had one fire spell, and it was called Continual Flame. <laughs> the, the one fire spell that does no fire damage. Right. And he throws a troll at us, and no one in the party had any acid, 
no one in the party had any uh, fire. I mean, other than like their torches or whatever. Right. And I'm the ice mage. I have never met, you know, and he has me roll. I've never encountered a troll before, so I don't know. So I'm throwing ice at it and nothing's happening. I throw ice at it. And I mean, I'm again, I'm wounding it, but he's quickly regenerating. So like, right. I'm an intelligent character. So I start thinking, huh, let me try other things. So I'm blasting it with other things. And I'm a sorcerer 3.5. So I've got a, a bunch of spell slots, but I only know a very select number of spells per, you know, the for spell selection. Right. And eventually I came down to like, I think, you know, like, and then finally someone ended up hitting it with a torch and it like, it didn't regenerate the burn. You know what I mean? Like, like the, I think it was one of those like clearly coincidental things that the DM made happen to help us, you know, like the, the troll disarmed, like swatted the, the long sword out of the, the fighter's hand. So then he used his, the, the torch in his offhand to smack it, you know, across the chest. It burned it. It didn't regenerate the burn. And I'm like, okay, fire's the trick. I don't have any fire spells. I have continual flame. Um, um, um. I know. So I run over and I make a touch attack to grab his head and then cast continual flame on the troll's head and then made a bluff check. And I'm like, oh, I'm burn- you're on fire, motherfucker. <laughs> and the troll freaked out knowing, his, knowing personally his own weakness. Right. He ran away and ended up drowning himself in a, uh, a nearby stream trying to put his head out. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I killed the troll with a non-fire-based fire spell. <laughs> I was honestly expecting when you're talking about being an ice mage. Nothing's working. Well, I'll just encase it in a block of ice. I wasn't that strong. And we'll come back to it several weeks later when it's thawed. No, it wasn't that strong. I think I was like a fifth or sixth level character. Right, right. <laughs> so yes, I killed the troll by drowning it. Yeah. <laughs> by tricking it into thinking it was on fire and it couldn't put the fire out because continual flame is not put out by water. All right. We gotta wrap it up. Um, I would like to say, for kind of a last thought, when it comes to metagaming, don't punish a dress. Yes. So if it comes up, don't necessarily hurt your players over it, but make sure that people are aware and so that you can have a good game going forward. Yeah, build trust going forward, don't build enmity. I like to do the quote-unquote D4 psychic damage, where I'll tell someone, yeah, you take like four points of damage, but it, I don't I don't actually make them mark it down. <laughs> like, hey, you just met a game. Take eight damage. But take, not really. Take all the damage. Um, so that is wrapping up for metagaming today. Um, if you have any comments or thoughts or additional questions on the topic, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, we are on Facebook. You can like, comment, subscribe, and follow us there. We're on Twitter, GMS Studios. Uh, we also have our message board at GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com. We are here with new episodes every Tuesday on gaming, and we will see you the next time that we are in the studio.